Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast where we interview leaders from around the world to bring you one simple tip that you can apply at work or in life. This is your host Deepa Natarajan that Indian girl from Toulouse in France and the topic of this episode is getting out from hard failures with Dr. Tamer Shaheen. This is a true story of an entrepreneur who set up his business, made millions in a very short time, got published in Forbes as a digital health thought leader. drove a ferrari and then everything came tumbling down to the point that his business partner went to prison one of the most painful moments for tama was to call his business partner's pregnant wife and tell her that her husband won't be home for the delivery tama then went on to rebuild another successful business in the digital healthcare won a uk national innovation award gave a tedx talk Today he's on a mission to help business owners and entrepreneurs learn those precious lessons. Let's welcome Tamer. Hi, how are you doing? Good, and you? Yeah, it's good to be here. Really excited about this call. Exactly. And excited about discussing failure. Wow. So how do you know failure? Oh, don't get me started. So literally, I think that the best thing to describe it is that it took me 30 days to get from having a company that i was running and owning that was having investment coming in at 100 million dollar valuation to getting having to bail my business partner out of prison completely losing everything losing absolutely all my assets all my property having to be 2 million pounds personally in debt and it was just an absolute nightmare everything went wrong down to my car actually exploding and going on fire on flames when i was trying to sell it so you know that i know a lot wow, about failure wow. that's a lot happening that's a lot happening in 30 days but let's rewind a little right. bit what were you actually doing what was the business that you were so, into so a little bit about myself i started out actually as a a professor in 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 at university I was in the academic world I was teaching engineering in design I moved very very slowly I was quite annoyed about the education system so I tried to sort of fix it from within didn't work moved into government went to do uh, the UAE I was advising ministers there on a multi-billion dollar productivity national productivity fund looked at all sorts of different organizations in terms of how to actually improve productivity and then started running my own businesses and the side and then moved on and became the ceo of one of um, a digital health company and liked it so much that i invested in it became a partner in it and pretty much grew it from i think within the space of 18 months to become one of the top 5 influencers in the space of digital health globally and that's when we were getting investment into the company valued at 100 million dollars so that's kind of in a nutshell a very very quick background about myself and then we were delivering a an eight figure project to a very large client I'm not going to name who they are but they accepted the project uh, they we we delivered it successfully it was published in the newspaper as a success shook hands and then 3 days later their administration changed and they turned around and they said we're not honoring any past contracts and we were absolutely devastated because we had lots and lots of subcontractors we had sort of paid out money for or promised to pay out money for we had a lot of other things that had been going in place and we got stuck in the UAE actually where you provide the way that you deal with money over there uh, promises of money is post dated checks one of my business partners had written post dated checks and in that country there the person who signs the post dated check is the person who is personally liable regardless of the 
sort of limited liability of, of, of a business. So he ended up getting arrested at the airport, said that he, you know, there were several cases against him from subcontractors who we had promised to pay money. We couldn't pay them money because we hadn't been paid ourselves. And it was an absolute mess. And within that space of 30 days where we were getting investment, the investors pulled out when they realized how much was what was going wrong. I came back from the US. I was on a business trip. I came back to my house. So I was living the lifestyle. It was like an amazing like villa with swimming pool. I had the Ferraris, the the whole thing, the whole thing. And then that house had flooded. So the top floor had flooded back onto the ground floor. All the furniture and the ceiling had from the top floor had fallen down onto the ground floor. It was an absolute mess and a disaster. I had to let go of all of my employees. I think we had about 53 full-time employees over three different branches across three different countries, the US, the UK, and in Dubai. And uh, it was absolutely devastating because they were like family to me. And I had other outsourced people about, uh, several hundred people that were outsourced part-time employees at, at a given time. And letting them go was horrendous because I felt responsible for them. And it was just an absolute nightmare. I tried to actually keep them going for as long as I could possibly do it to an extent that this is where I talked about my car. I, I tried to sell my car to pay off the salary for for some of the employees that I had to keep them going for an, for an extra month. And as I went to the dealer there, because of the heat in the country, the car just suddenly went on flames. And it was just when you think everything is going wrong, or it, it just everything was going wrong. And it was one of those things where what is happening here? Am I jinxed? Am I cursed? It was just everything I tried to do was going absolutely wrong. And I got in the end, I sold all my properties, all my assets to try and negotiate and getting my business partner out of not just the prison, but also out of the country. And it was just a nightmare. I think that's the best way to describe it. Wow. Wow. There's so much in there. There's just so much in there. In 30 days, a complete business going down. It's not just a business going down. As an entrepreneur, when you start your company, it's a product. It's something that you truly believe in. And it's like giving birth to a baby. It's like something new that's coming out in the world. And we hang on to it. We give our life for the company that we work for, like uh, especially when you're an entrepreneur, when you're when you're in business, you give your hundred percent out there to get it off ground and to, for it to take off, and then not only see that crashing, but also bailing out your partner firing or trying to sustain, trying to help out your 53 employees in three different countries, so much communication, so much heartbreak, all happening at the same time. And at the same time, your, your car getting burned up. It's like, how do you believe in natural catastrophes, which happen at the same time as financial catastrophes? And this is all like, how did you take that shock personally? It was devastating. I think it, there's no other word to describe it. It was devastating. And one of the things that really shook me was just because we had delivered, we had just delivered that project and it was delivered successfully. And we had just had a celebration with the team. And one of them specifically, I remember this to, to today, she came up to me during that sort of like a party in the evening. And she was, she came up to me and she was saying to me, this is more than a, a job for me. I, I, this is my life. I believe in this. I, I see the mission we're trying to achieve. And just six days, seven days later, Later, I had to sit in front of her and say, we have to let you go. And she was just looking at me and saying, I trusted you. I moved my life. I moved countries for you. I did this. And, and these were real people and real families that I was just kind of putting a stop to at least how I saw it anyway. And 
it was just devastating. Right. And there is a sense of responsibility. It's like, I feel so responsible for whatever is happening. And you're somehow in that position of power and people look at you for being responsible for whatever is happening to them. Yes. Which is what was the case in some of these cases where people said, we trusted you. We thought you would, 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 you know, deliver for us. We thought you would be there for us. And now you're the one that's letting us go and you're doing this. And that's how I felt at the time. Little did I know that I was probably suffering much more than they were ever because but that they don't see it that way. They don't see that here's a person who, who was responsible for all of these people. Now, all of a sudden is actually asking his parents in the UK to remortgage their property out of retirement so that they can bail certain things out in buy. And, and, and from my perspective, I ended up having to, once I bailed my business partner out of prison, we were breaking into his son's piggy bank, literally to find and rummage for change and coins so that we can actually try and calculate what kind of food we could afford to buy over the next two weeks. And that was, that was how the situation was, but nobody saw that. And I think that that was, and I think that I didn't see that as well. And I think that's a big, big point here is that I didn't see that. I still felt that I was responsible and I had let all of these people down, mm. which I had. Mm. And uh, somehow we take that sense of responsibility as if we are responsible to make things happen for the other people. Yes. And, and, and it was the case at the time. And this was one of the things that I think I had to go through a big shift to try and understand the meaning of, of the word responsibility. Uh, until that point, I felt that I was responsible for all of these people. And it was a case where even when everything was going wrong, I didn't I did emotionally. I was, I was, if you would have seen me, I was as steady as a rock uh, because I felt I was responsible for all of these people. I had to get them out of this situation. I had to get my business partner out. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to negotiate all of these deals. I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to. And that's, that was my mentality. So I didn't stop. I didn't, I didn't sort of break down. I didn't do any of these things. The only time that I did that was when I got back to the UK, when all of this was over. And then I just, crashed and collapsed. And that was because I felt responsible to deliver as much as I could to rescue all of these people that felt that they, you know, were depending and relying on me. Well, there's two things here that I want to pause and honor. One is, what do we know and how do we define responsibility? And this is the definition I learned from my coach, Sam House, and he talks about responsibility as response able? What is my ability to respond to the triggers and to what the situation is providing me with? And we're all in a position of influence and all we can do is leverage and use our competence, use our knowledge, use our skills, use our intuition to respond to the situation, not taking it as a burden on our shoulders like we are responsible to make it happen. We're all just influenced because when you take that notion of responsibility as a burden, we get into control and control is so linked with our ego. And we believe that we can make things happen and that we are the ones, but actually we're just here as enablers. And the one thing that I realized in your story is uh, there's so much blame game happening out there, right? When people told you like, you did this to us, you got me to move cities. Um, It's like, we need that in moments of crisis today with the pandemic. I see that like we're trying to blame uh, a country for having um, 
propagated the virus. We're trying to always blame and find who is that person responsible for all our miseries. Yes, and and the blame game was so much something that I had signed up for unknowingly. And I, and I think that that was the case of it wasn't just them blaming me, but it was me blaming me. And it was me blaming everything that had happened to me. And, and, and that was a big turning point in terms of how I actually looked at it afterwards, because that turned, that blame game turned into shame. It turned into guilt. It turned into so many things. But before we get into shame and guilt, because this is something I also want to talk about, going back to the word response able, I love that. I think that that's fantastic in the way that you, you define that and in terms of saying that you shouldn't be carrying the burden. And that's something that I found over speaking to several people, including yourself, actually, because that was something that we had a previous conversation about earlier. It's it's not responsibility is not carrying the burden of others. It's being responsible enough or response able, as you put it so eloquently, to be able to allow people and make them accountable to carry their own burdens. And I think that there is a huge, huge distinction here, which which took me some time to learn. But it's a game changer because the the minute you start looking at it from that perspective, you are no longer carrying people's burdens and that weighs you down. And that in when you shift to the other mentality, that actually allows you to fly and being able to actually look after and lead so many, many more people. And I think that that was a huge shift in the way that I looked at things uh, and the word responsibility. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I also love the insight when you mentioned that it was not just others who were blaming me, I was blaming myself. So that's a very beautiful insight because when we blame ourselves, we give others permission to blame us and we get into, it leads to a downward spiral. Yes, yes. And and that's where the downward spiral started was when I came back because after I had gotten everybody out uh, as much as I could, I had negotiated all of these uh, contracts and and all of these other things. And then we got back to the UK, I collapsed. I absolutely crashed. And it was it was devastating because not only that, then I felt shame. I felt guilt. I was afraid that uh, it was only a minority of people who actually knew what had really happened. But I felt that if I went public, he was here was someone myself who had been named as a top influencer in the field, someone in for, published in Forbes and, and likely to change the way digital health was. And I stopped going out to the public because I felt that if I went to the public and started speaking about whatever else I was doing, the next thing I was doing, that minority would call me out and they would say, you did this, you didn't pay this, you didn't do that, you didn't do that. And it really weighed me down. I was ashamed. I was guilty. I was blaming myself. Could I have done this better? Should we have put in more risk management? Should we have done this? Should we have had different people at different places in the team? Did we grow too fast? And you know, these questions, they go on and on in your head and it just becomes a vicious cycle and it just doesn't stop. And that then affected my health. It affected my productivity. It affected so many things. And it took me a, a, a long time to be able to make that change. And when I realized that I was actually getting to a point, I came back and I started a new company. And and I think here's also another distinction. Sorry. But, yes. but before you go there, like what was that shame storm like? What did that shame storm look like for you? Uh, it was it was a blizzard and a hurricane <laughs> and a tornado all put into one. <laughs> if you're looking at it, <laughs> that's that you know the worst storm that you know yeah. worse than Storm Katrina, whatever. Call call it whatever you want. It it was it was huge, and I think it was. 
yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad and it was nonstop. I used to wake up uh, every single morning for, I think a year or even more, maybe 18 months with a huge anxiety attack in, you know, just in bed, I'd wake up, my eyes would open first thing, anxiety. And later on, I learned that that was probably P- PTSD, but you, you don't know at the time and it's just keeping on and it's going on and on. Didn't affect the way that I still at the time started another company because that's what I knew I could do best. And I started another tech company, um, got investment, got funded, got an innovation award by the government in the UK. Fantastic. Gave a TEDx talk. Great. Did it make me feel a better person? No. And I think that that's, you know, that was the huge thing that happened slowly over time when I began to realize I'm not the person that I used to be. I am not as confident as I used to be. I am not as comfortable as I used to be. I'm not as healthy as I used to be. And there are so many things that I used to be and I am no longer that person. However, once I sat down and spoke to a couple of people and it was interesting because one person, I I, I still remember this conversation very specifically. I sat down with this one person and I said, you know, I feel so guilty for all of these people. And I feel, you know, and I did this and I did that. And he said, well, how is this person doing? And I said, well, actually they're okay. And he said, well, how's that person doing? I said, well, you know, he's okay. And she's okay. And how's your business partner doing that was actually in prison? Well, actually, he's okay. So, you know, and then he said, so what's your problem? Why are you sitting down worrying about all of them? You know, and that was a a sort of a light bulb moment, I think. And I went back and I sat down and had a revisit of that whole series of events um, and rewrote that narrative. And I think that that was a huge fundamental shift in the way I looked at it. Um, In the same way that sometimes you look, you have a a crisis moment and a year later you look back on it and you laugh. It's not that the event changed. It's actually your way and your perspective and your view of how things have played out and you're not in that stressful moment at the time has changed. And you can actually think of it as a funny moment. Same event at the time, crisis, a year later, funny. I'm not saying that this was funny, but what I did was I did the same principle where I went back and I rewrote that whole narrative. And I said, this is what happened. This is how it played out. I am now a better person for it. I am wiser. I am going to be doing, you know, this is what I learned from it. This is what I won't do in the future. This is what I will do. And without exaggerating, it has made me a better person. And when I thought initially that that moment of failure was the worst thing that had happened in my life, turned out, I think it was one of the best since then. I met even down to personal. I came to the UK. I wouldn't have been able to meet my my wife, who is now an amazing person had those series of events not played out I I wouldn't have met her so it's things happen in so many different ways and play out in so many different ways and what I think we have been as a society in education and the way that we have brought up is that we have been conditioned to fear failure we have been conditioned to be perfect or strive for perfection and strive you know what will people think if you do bad um, we, we when we're born as as little babies we 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 take failure as 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 a given we get up and we, you know we try and walk we fall down we get up and we try again we fall down and we keep going until we get it right and then we go into school and then they say don't fail your test don't fail your exam what are you going to get? What are you going to get? And we then get pushed out of that system into a world where we're not prepared for failure. And failure is one of the best things that can happen to us because it makes us wiser and better people. It makes us grow. So one of the things that happened after that was I, I decided that I was 
it was going to be my mission to try and start talking about this and to try and tell people about my experience. And hopefully that would shed some light and some inspiration for people to actually say, well, actually, failure should be something that we should integrate in our lives because it will make us better leaders. It will make us better entrepreneurs. It will be make us better parents. It will make us better XYZ. And I think that that's a really important fundamental shift in the way that I started thinking about things. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, There's something important that you said here is we've been conditioned to fear failure. We've been conditioned to resist failure and we've been conditioned to be perfect. And over time, these layers just add on and add on on top of us. And we don't even realize how these layers just got added on top of us. And suddenly when that happens, we just go into a cocoon and we hide ourselves. We become a hermit. We go into a cave and we go into the shame storm and we believe that we're not worthy of love and connection and we don't get out there. And even though when you mentioned that I started my next company, I succeeded and it was on Forbes and then I was I gave a tech talk on that. So even though success was there outside, you had all the indicators to tell you that you were successful. It's that, what do you think of yourself? What's the narrative? What's the dialogue that you're having inside yourself? And that is the most important dialogue. It's not about the indicators or the measures that you see outside of yourself, but it's more what's happening inside. And when you change that narrative to tell yourself that I'm a better person, I have met the woman of my life now because of that failure and I'm wiser and I'm a better dad and I'm a better businessman. And now I can serve people in a much better way that's the narrative and that's the shift that's needed. And there's so much work to do in our society today in terms of how do we look at failure? And it's not just like, is failure okay? What if we moved our society from fearing failure to celebrating failure? I, I know that uh, people listening cannot see me, but I am nodding profusely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's because I agree with absolutely every single thing that you said. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to hear that, that you share the same, the same views that I have, because I think it's, it's fundamental that we start embracing failure. It's fundamental that we start not striving for perfection. That doesn't mean that we don't strive for excellence and they are two very separate things. Um, and I think that that distinction is, is something that gets lost along the way as we, we work and we fit into the system and we fit into these organizations and we strive there and we sit there and we strive for perfection. I used to be one of those people that used to strive for perfection and perfection stifled me because I would be too slow to push things out uh, because I, you know, and these are things that they always happen. And I think that it's important to see as well that when you look back in history, and I know that this is this is uh, the times that we're in at the moment, it might be very relevant. When you look back in history, when there was an economic sort of like, you know, rise and, and things became fantastic. And it usually came straight after depression or, or, or a time of hardship, uh, because innovation usually happens during times of hardship and need. And that is historically something that you can see time and time again throughout history. So when we are looking at these times now, and when we're looking at our own selves, when we're having failures or hardship or any of these things, that is the time where we sit down and we actually can look at, we can look at life two ways. We can sit there and play the blame game and not get anywhere, or we can sit there and say, right, what can we learn from this? And how can we turn this into a positive experience and opportunity? And I think that it's, it's, it's a choice between those two, the way that I see it. And I think that 
being able to embrace that failure and being able to look at it as something that is is a beautiful experience. Okay, at the time it's not, but it, it, it can be if you look at the positives that come out of that and how it makes you as a person grow. And I think that that for me was the big takeaway of all of that experience. Right. Adversity is the mother of innovation. That's a very famous old proverb. Adversity is the mother of innovation. So when there is failure, there's a lot of pain. It doesn't come with joy, unfortunately. (laughs) So failure comes with a lot of pain. And it's it's all about welcoming that pain and saying, wow, I now have an opportunity here in this pain. So stay with that pain because when it is painful, we tend to run away from that pain. We tend to hide Yes. Yes. I mean, you, you hear the other, the other, the other comment, which is no pain, no gain. And, and I know that that happens in, 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 in a different context, but yes, absolutely. It, it doesn't mean that we have to be sort of, you know, masochists where we enjoy the pain and we sit there and look forward to it. However, if we sit, find a way to integrate it within our system and to integrate it within our organizations that failure can happen and these are the acceptable sides of failure. I know that we have risk management in organizations and I know that we have risk logs, but actually I, I don't think of them as as, as as ways of embracing and in- integrating failure. They are a risk log, for example, is something which tells you do not fail. You know, this is how we won't fail. This is how we won't fail. And it's actually not looking at it from the right perspective. What you need to do is you need to say, right, if we fail, what can we gain from this? And, you know, what is the bottom side of this? And how far can we go down? And how can we grow based on that? And that is looking at the way of integrating failure in in, in, in a correct context that will allow a person and a leader and an organization to grow, not the current way that we're looking at risk management, for example. That's a very important conversation to have, and we don't have that conversation. What if at the start of every project we could have that conversation? If this project fails, how are we going to feel about it? And that's a very vulnerable conversation also. Yes, absolutely. And it's an important one to have because failure happens much more than we would like to admit it's going to happen. And if we sit there and try and push it under the rug every single time, then we're not going to get anywhere and we're not going to grow. But if we were to sit there and say, well, you know, the chances are that things are going to fail. So if they do, how can we learn from it and how can we be a better organization and a better company? I think I would argue that actually the company will do a lot better in the long term than it will trying to avoid failure every single moment or step of the way. Tamar, I could go on because there's so much here in this conversation. It's a very rich conversation. And just moving on for like, what would be concretely two advices that you can give entrepreneurs who start off their businesses and who fail? And they're in that down, in that they're at the bottom of that shitstorm, of that, of feeling the pain of failure. What two advices would you give them? Off the top of my head, the first one is you are not alone and you amongst a very highly accomplished set of people that have failed in the past. Do not think that when you look at people's successes that they happened all overnight and it happened without a a rough ride. People get to where they are because of consistency and because of learning from their failures and learning from their mistakes. So the the first piece of advice is do not worry, try and learn 
from what is going on at the moment. And I think that that is, is very crucial. The second piece of advice that I would give is once that does happen, go back and rewrite that narrative. Go back and say, right, how did I think this thing played out? And how do, do other people see it as having played out? And how do I think that it should now be played out? And there are a lot of things that we have as our own limitations, our own self-beliefs, our own uh, view of things that really restrict that perspective whilst it is happening. And you know, when you look at something inside, um, it's always different as when you come back and look at it from the outside. So go back, look at it from the outside, rewrite that narrative and see what can I learn from this? How do I grow as a person? And how do I make this a positive experience and not something that is negative? Excellent. It's very valuable. Rewrite that narrative so that we can actually hold that experience. We can embrace that experience as all of who we are and not separate ourselves from that event. The more we try to push away that experience, the more the pain of it is going to persist and come up in moments like just what you mentioned. When I started my, my next business, I didn't want to go out there in the front line and be in the limelight again, even though I deserved it, even though I was rightful for it. Yes. And a third bonus tip. I know you asked me for just two. I just waited for this. The third bonus tip. And I think the one which is actually the most important of them all, look after yourself first. And that it's like, you know, on, on the airplane, airplane, they tell you to, you know, put your oxygen mask on before you help any other people. This is something that I learned the hard way. And it's something that will affect you. If you don't look after your health, if you don't look after your well-being, if you don't look after any of these things, they will impact across the board. So make sure that you look after yourself. So if things are going bad, take a step back, even take a break, look after yourself first, then go back and do all of what we said, you know, points one and two. <laughs> Such a wise advice. Look after yourself. So easily said. And it's like, oh yes, that's easy. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, because, because it's something that I, I do naturally on a day-to-day -day basis. No, it's not. I learned this the hard way and I didn't look after myself. So I say this from a point of, you know, Know, someone who has gone through it and has struggled and is still trying to work through it. We know we're not all perfect, even until today. I'm not saying that here, here I am, I've learned this experience and I'm now a perfect person. Absolutely not. I'm still, until today, several years later, still trying to figure out what has happened and what is this mess. And it's still raw to a certain extent. Yes, it gets better and better every single day. And yes, I think this is a, an, a, a really fantastic experience that's happened to me. However, it will never go away. So it's just one of these things that we just need to try and understand that we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. And when we're speaking about all of these things and giving this advice, we're all still going through that as well. So don't listen to me and say, well, he's got it all sorted out. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your humbleness out there. And before we close this episode, would you like to share one last message with the audience? Um, yes, please um, listen and subscribe to Deepa. She's absolutely amazing and she's awesome. I have spoken to her a couple of times now and she doesn't know that I was going to say this, by the way. So I've just spoken to her a couple of times and she has so much insight and perspective um, that is unique to how um, a person can grow um, as a leader. And I think it's it's absolutely amazing. And I would like to, to, to work with her much, much more on a much bigger capacity. So if you get the opportunity to do that, please do so. Thank you so much, Tamara, for that. And... 
Likewise. Thanks, Deepa. Appreciate it. I hope you liked this episode and I look forward to talking to you soon in two weeks' time. And until then, stay cool. 